With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. I want to take a second to thank all of our guests that have been on our off-season episodes uh, this far. Off-season still chugging along, and before we know it, it's going to be time for spring practice. It's already March, believe it or not. Uh, Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry here with you once again. Excited to talk some FAU football today with our guests, but we'll get to that. Uh, Eric, how have you been the last uh, couple of weeks? It's been a minute since we talked to each other. Yeah, we you know knocked out those episodes with uh, our guests. And once again, we want to thank them for making time to come on. Hope you guys enjoyed those episodes. But things are doing well down here. You know, it's home of the Super Bowl champs here in Tampa, Florida. So doing all right. Um, just uh, it seems like we're, we seem to be in, in better position than, you know, maybe other parts of the country with the various weather circumstances. So I hope everyone's uh, safe and sound out there. But outside of that, man, cannot complain. It's just a uh, this typically I'd say it's early for me. But, you know, you're waking up uh, on the West Coast a little earlier than we are over here in the Sunshine State. And to make matters worse, I didn't have time to make a full pot of coffee. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to deal with uh <laughs> me in an uncaffeinated state so we'll see how that goes um but to talk fau football today our guest is mr kevin fielder you can find him on twitter at the kevin fielder and he covers the owls for fifth quarter inc uh you can also find his college football content at a few other places around the internet of course uh the state of the u uh, another uh sb nation affiliate as well we like those guys a lot uh but kevin appreciate you having the time this morning of course man uh you know eric i just want to say you think it's early for you try being a college student uh you know everything before like one o'clock is too early <laughs> kevin it's not that long ago i was a college student let me see if i can rack that old brain to mind and remember what it was like to get up at uh, 8 a.m and catch the shuttle over to ucf so uh but yeah i i, I understand man I, I appreciate you you know we're we're tapping into your nap time right you know you're Typically, you'd be heading back to your house, your apartment, getting that uh, that nap in between classes, right? Yeah. Uh, no, usually, you know, I, I usually try and get all my classes, like, after 12 o'clock. But if I had an early class, now would be perfect <laughs> nap time for that. <laughs> of course. I'll go ahead and uh, pick it up from here, jump to my line of questioning. I want to start with this. The return of Achilles Leroy. Everyone knows that FAU had a solid season last year, although somewhat uh, abbreviated truncated season due to uh, as most conference USA teams did due to the effects surrounding uh, COVID-19. Um, they had, uh, again, you know, a really solid year qualified for a bowl game, but can you just tell me with the, uh, the return of Achilles Leroy for our uh, listeners who may not remember Achilles Leroy in 2019 was certainly a bona fide candidate for defensive player of the year at over a hundred tackles over, I want to say it was 15 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, I want to say it was eight or nine sacks. I don't have those numbers off the, um, directly in front of me. I should have looked them up ahead of time. But with that being said, Kevin, I know FAE opened camp on Monday. Can you tell me uh, just first off how things are going so far? And secondly, 
the return of Kiki Leroy, how will that play a factor this team? Yeah, so, you know, obviously it's early, so it's, it's hard to really judge how camp has been because when you only have two practices and, uh, you know, I think uh, Coach Stoops, the new defensive coordinator, and, and a couple other guys have mentioned this, everyone looks good in shorts. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to really gauge, but, you know, when you can get a guy back, like Achilles Leroy, and he hasn't exactly returned to camp yet. He's still trying to figure a few things out, but they fully expect him to be ready for the season. It's hard to gauge the impact that a guy like Achilles Leroy has because, you know, it seemed two years ago in 2019, he was always making a play. He was always there to make a play. And, you know, whether it was against Middle Tennessee where he had the blocked extra point for a return for two points or whether it was a, a timely interception or a timely sack or just, you know, a timely good tackle in space, it would it would always be, you know, when is Aquilas Leroy going to make the play because you knew he was going to make the play. And, you know, last year I don't necessarily think FAU struggled at the linebacker position. I think, that you know, their linebackers played well, all things considered. But, you know, all Aquilas Leroy does is add more talent, add more experience, add more leadership to, you know, a linebacker group that, you know, when we talk about how FAU plays their game, the linebackers are very important. And, you know, when you can have a guy like Aquilas Leroy there just, you know, taking up pretty much every snap, it makes the job of every defensive coordinator and every head coach that much easier. I mentioned FAU's abbreviated schedule. They finished the year five and four. They got out to a hot start, started five and one with the only loss being at Marshall. That was somewhat of a controversial game. FAU was shorthanded due to uh, the contact tracing and other situations uh, due to related to the coronavirus, excuse me, but then end of the year losing their final three games at Georgia Southern, at Southern Miss, and of course the bowl game to Memphis. So with that being said, and a couple coordinator changes, uh, Mike Stoops comes in uh, with Jim Levitt taking a job at SMU, if my memory serves me correct, and Michael Johnson coming in to take over the offense. Can you talk about those moves for a second and uh, what impact they uh, they may have so far? Again, as you mentioned, it's early in camp, but just kind of your read on those moves. Yeah, so, you know, I think there's a, a common theme between Mike Stoops and Michael Johnson is that they've, they've got experience coaching at some of the top levels, both in college football and in the case of Michael Johnson at the NFL level. And, you know, when you're working with top-level talent, you have to be a good coach. You know, you, you have to be able to manage these talents and manage these egos and, you know, manage all these things. And Michael Johnson and Mike Stoops have done that perfectly. And, you know, that's only going to help FAU, all things considered, because, yes, you know, I think last year their coaching staff did a great job. And, you know, Jim Levitt was a perfect example of that. You know, he took a good defense, made it arguably better. But, you know, Mike Stoops, what he is, is he's a guy who's got head coaching experience uh, from his time at Arizona. He's got defensive coordinator experience at some of the top schools. And let's not discredit the fact that just uh, for two years he was learning under Nick Saban. And, you know, all things considered, I don't think there's a better coach in college football to learn from than Nick Saban. And, uh, you know, I just think overall when you can get guys like Michael Johnson and Mike Stoops and even, you know, past that, you know, the offensive line coaches and guys like Lance Thomas and Kevin Patrick, you have a really good coaching staff there where you can really just – take that next step as a, as a program. And, you know, you mentioned the, the five and one start, the end five and four, they, they really struggled there down the stretch to pick up, you know, quality performances. And, you know, it just seems like one day when the defense was working, the offense wouldn't work or when the offense was working, the defense wouldn't work. So when you, when you have experienced coordinators like this, the job of a team just becomes that much easier. 
and, you know, and just being able to trust these guys to know how to run their certain offenses and run their certain defenses. I want to stick with the defense here. You know, Kevin asked you a question about a player who it's a position that, you know, it's kind of like the, the fullback of the defense, right? You know, the nose guard, but in, in FAU's defense last year, uh, and that scheme was a very pivotal position. And of course, we'll have to see what um, Mike Stoops carries over to the 2021 season, but the player I'm in referencing is Evan Anderson. He's a mountain of a man. We've six three, six four, about 340 pounds as a freshman. Came in, 21 tackles, two and a half tack, two tackles for loss, and one and a half sacks. Can you just talk about his growth and development as a player, and and what role that big defensive tackle, or, or specifically the the nose tackle, may play uh, in the scheme going forward? Yeah, you know, I think last year Evan Anderson was kind of thrown into action in the sense because there wasn't much competition for his role. And, you know, I think all things considered, he did a great job with the, with all those things around him. And, you know, just being able to go in there and, you know, in the run game, take up blocks and take up spots and fill the gaps properly. And just, you know, in the pass rush, it's similar, you know, when you have a guy like that, who's so big and so talented and able to disrupt things like that, it requires another blocker. It requires another guy to take space. And, you know, I think that's part of the reason why, Guys like Jalen Joyner and Leighton McCarthy had such great seasons as defensive ends and, you know, those those pass rush outside linebackers because it was never really a thing of, you know, they were going to be double teamed or they were going to be the ones who were taking up those blocks because a guy like Evan Anderson was in the middle there just taking up space and taking up blockers. Kevin, the last time I had a chance to visit quote-unquote paradise was the 2019 season when FIU went to FAU. The Smith Athletic Complex was almost complete i believe memory serves me correct or, or it may have been uh it may have been like 95 percent there but uh for those who, who have had a chance to see it and i've had a chance to see it on youtube and other places it looks to be uh, one of the premier as far as you know facilities as far as g5 and maybe across college football in general um training facilities for not just fau football in general but all of fau athletics can you talk about what type of a game changer that's been in terms of recruiting and just you know what that's done for the football programs as they are trying to take the next step yeah, you know, I think the role of those training facilities are kind of underrated in college football because, you know, when we discuss how these things work, you know, we these these things are important. You know, the, the added weight rooms, the added the the added infrastructure, just the ability to have something closer to the middle of campus. You know, the the old the, the Tom Oxley Athletic Center, which was the old one, was further out there. You know, it wasn't on in the middle of campus per se as the the, the Schmidt Center was and I think that definitely makes makes a huge impact in just the the training of the team and being able to convince guys to come because you don't have that that inherent difference from a a top program at the or you know one one of those mid level uh, power five programs which you're going to be competing for with a lot of these recruits. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
want to go ahead and get your your read on the state of the Shula Bowl rivalry, the FAU-FIU rivalry. It is one that, quite frankly, has been overwhelmingly dominated by the team from Boca Raton for the past four seasons. Uh, FA, is FIU's, excuse me, FIU's last win in this rivalry was 2016, a 33-31 victory at, uh, at Ricardo Silva Stadium, then FIU Stadium. Since then, FAU has dominated the rivalry and Relaine Kiffin in uh, 2019 saying that, hey, you know, we have an entire group of guys who's never going to lose to that team over there. And, you know, we want to let them know that it's going to be another 365 days until they can uh, have a chance of victory. Of course, in 2020, JV and Posey and company came to Ricardo Silva. And, you know, quite frankly, it, it just was a repeat of 2019 in terms of that uh, game not being close. Just want to get your, your read on the state of the rivalry and, and what that means for the, the players inside that that building. And, and a guy like Willie Taggart, who was introduced to it for the first time last year. Yeah, you know, we all asked Willie Taggart this last season was, how much do you know about this rivalry? And how much do you know about, you know, how much players on FAU might quote unquote hate FIU players. And it was, it was clear, you know, he understands that that rivalry is the big game. And, you know, FAU, I think this, this, this weird, I don't know if I want to call it a cliche per se, but the, the, the statement that, you know, we could lose every game, but as long as we beat FIU, it's a good season. These guys want to beat FIU. They want to beat FIU every year. And there is so much, you know, rivalry in this game. And it, it's, it's a really an underrated rivalry in that sense because I think a lot of people across college football don't know that. You know, I, I think a lot of people across college football just think it's another rivalry. But, you know, in that, in that FIU locker room, it's FIU hate week. And it is, you know, every week we want to, you know, we're, we're building to beat FIU. And we're building to be the better team than FIU is. And, you know, the, the last few years have definitely been dominated by FAU. And, uh, you know, I think just at least this upcoming season, it might be a lot of the same. Uh, but, you know, just I think that overall it's, it's a rivalry that is still very fresh in a lot of people's minds both in both programs. And, you know, I think, Eric, you can speak a little bit more to the FIU part of that. But, you know, in, in the FAU locker room, it is, you know, once that, that schedule shifts to the Sunday after whatever that Saturday game might be, it's FAU hate week. Or it's, it's FIU hate week, excuse me. And it's, uh, you know, we're ready to beat FIU. Sure, absolutely. I think the one thing about that rivalry that, you know, kind of caused it to go under the radar. I mean, of course, it's a, it's a G5 rivalry and that's part of the reason. But two things. One, you know, uh, the, the it's both programs are building their fan bases and that plays a factor. But also there hasn't necessarily been that marquee competitive game, right? I mean, yes, uh, you had 33-31 uh, in 2016, but you got to have that competitive game when everything's on the line, similar to maybe the USF, uh, UCF from a couple of years ago when we had two top 25 teams. So when that happens, that rivalry will probably get a little more, uh, um, generate a little more buzz, so to speak. But this last question here, if I go and send it over to Joe, I uh, got a fun one for you, for you Kevin. It's, I want to ask, you know, a lot of times we have our, our beat writers on, I like to ask them either their favorite conference USA city that they've been to, or me and Joe both being big food guys ourselves, the best press box meal that they've had. So I'm going to take the second one for you. What is the best press box meal in, a, I believe, what, two years you've been covering FAU? What's the best meal you've had over there at a FAU Stadium? Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for good barbecue, and FAU, uh, you know, always brings out really good barbecue. But it's, uh, it's, it's the halftime popcorn, you know, the, that, that popcorn is, it's, it's, it's always really weird flavors too. You know, it, it's never just normal popcorn. It's always some some weird flavor to it. Uh, you know, I, just off the top of my head, you have like dill pickle, and uh, you know, you'll have like caramel chocolate 
popcorn. It's just always a weird flavor, but it's always so good. And that stuff will leave the press box and, you know, it will be the, the quarter uh, gone in a few seconds. It is so good. It is quite honestly, probably some of the best popcorn I've ever had. Man, I, I, now I feel kind of jealous. I don't think I was privy to the popcorn in 2019. So I'll, I'll make a note of that coming around this, uh, this year, Joe, you, uh, you popcorn guy. Absolutely. I mean, it's making me nostalgic for when movie theaters were a thing. <laughs> Man, I cannot. A, a, yeah. a, little, a, a little dry COVID humor, Joe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> how else are we going to get through a pandemic if we don't uh, laugh about it? But anyway, um, Kevin, you know, as a student at, at FAU, um, want to start off my questions with this. Um, what's your take on what the student culture is like at FAU currently with everything going on? Yeah, you know, I, I can't really speak to what it's like every day because I'm not on campus every day. I'm usually doing a lot of my my schoolwork like 99% of the nation, and that's, uh, you know, over a Zoom class usually in my bed. Uh, you know, but it, it's weird. You know, every single time we'll, we'll talk about student culture, and, you know, student culture is a really weird one because it varies by school and, you know, just it varies by, by area. And, you know, FAU is known to a lot of people as a commuter school because, you know, it's central to Palm Beach County, and, you know, a lot of those Palm Beach County high schools will will put students into that school often. And, you know, that, yeah, that was the case with me as well. But, you know, I think student culture is definitely improving. And, I, you know, I think we saw it, we've seen it with the baseball program, you know, obviously six and one, just, just coming off a win against number uh, six Florida uh, on the road. But, you know, they've, they've sold out pretty much every baseball game so far this season. So, you know, I think the, the interest in sports has increased, the interest on campus has increased, and just overall the, the campus student lifestyle has definitely increased over the last few years. Definitely good news for uh, FAU administrators and any future owls out there. Um, we are certainly no stranger to seeing um, former stars transfer into FAU. Uh, owls got their latest one in offensive lineman Kamar Bell from Auburn. Uh, Kevin, what can you tell us about what he's done uh, in spring practice, you know, in the limited time that the owls have been doing that so far? Or if you have any other information on how he'll contribute to Willie Taggart's offense, that'd be great. Yeah, so I don't think Kamar Bell is on campus for spring practice because he did transfer, uh, you know, so late. But Kamar Bell is just another one of the full list of guys who have transferred into FAU from big-time universities. You know, it wasn't just him this offseason either. It was Michael Johnson Jr. from Penn State. It was, uh, you know, Baselli from Florida State. They get a lot of big-time transfers. And Kamar Bell is a guy, you know, obviously when you transfer from a Power 5 program, you have the talent to make it at a Power 5 program. You know, you don't just get recruited to a Power 5 program for anything. You know, you have to have the talent. And that talent, you know, I think in a lot of cases will shine at the the uh, group of five level, excuse me. You know, I think we see a lot of these guys succeed uh, you know, at, at the conference USA and at different group of five levels because, you know, they're they're more talented. And if, if they get the proper development and, you know, I think Kamar Bell can certainly get that at FAU. I think, you know, FAU has the coaching staff and the, the infrastructure in place, as I previously mentioned, to, to be able to take that next step. But Kamar Bell is just, you know, another added piece to an offensive line that last season had struggled at points to, to keep quarterbacks upright or keep, you know, time in the pocket properly or, or allow running holes to the uh, – to the running backs and, you know, these, whatever, anytime you've had depth to a position like the offensive line, it's definitely important. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Michael Johnson Jr. too. I want to talk about him in a minute. But uh, first, his dad, Michael Johnson Sr., uh, for those that don't know, is the new offensive coordinator at FAU this year. Um, And he's said multiple times in the press that obviously improving that offense from what it was last year uh, is a definite priority for him. Um, Kevin, you know, from what you've seen of the offense so far and what you're hearing, um, from, you know, your sources in the program, how's that going so far and how confident are you in the offense's improvement for this coming season? Yeah. You know, it seems like the offense is getting ready to take that next step. And, you know, I think last year, part of the problem was just, you know, overall you lose so much talent in such a little time. And, you know, I, I mentioned this a few times on Twitter and even in articles is that. You know, when you lose your starting quarterback and three of your uh, top receivers and, you know, two offensive linemen who are really important and just, you know, you have so much running back, uh, you know, problems with with injuries like FAU did last season, it's hard to build any type of consistency because, you know, you have so much replacement and you didn't get a sprint camp. uh, But, you know, I think the, the common theme around that FAU offense is that, you know, a spring practice is going to help a lot. And having a spring practice and being able to to learn those those small things in spring practice, those those simple technique things that you can teach in spring practice will make the, the summer workouts and, and the fall practice that much easier because you're not trying to put everything into a few weeks. You're not trying to, to build an entire offense in just a few weeks. You'll now have that that stretch of fifteen practices in the spring and then all of that fall camp to learn the offense. Definitely makes sense. Um, so with Michael Johnson, obviously he's coaching uh, his son. Um, what have you kind of heard or, or seen regarding that dynamic there? Uh, obviously, you know, Johnson transferred in from Penn State, uh, might not be QB1 come opening day, but, uh, you know, knowing FAU's luck with QBs the last couple of years, it uh, it's very likely that uh, Michael Johnson Jr. might see some snaps at quarterback this year. Yeah, you know, I think uh, so. When I spoke to Michael Johnson Jr. after he had transferred, the the common theme was that you know Willie Taggart was someone who was was honest with him when during his first recruiting process when he was going from from top school to top school and he was uh, you know being recruited by Oregon and being recruited by Penn State and Miami and all these other top schools. And, you know, it it was a common theme as to why he transferred to FAU was that, that familiarity with coach Taggart and the, the experience that he had with coach Taggart while coach Taggart was recruiting him. And then, you know, yesterday we had the chance to speak to Michael Johnson. And the first question pretty much was, you know, how much did your son playing at, you know, your son transferring to FAU impact your decision to transfer or to, to, you know, take that offensive coordinator job. And he told us that did not play a role. And so, you know, I, I think part of it is that just, you know, Willie Taggart knows, uh, the, the, knows his family, you know, he, he uh, coached, you know, he was, uh, you know, Michael Johnson was the coach with Taggart at Oregon. Uh, you know, Michael, uh, Michael Johnson Jr. is obviously recruited by coach Taggart. You know, there is some fine family dynamic in that sense, you know, I, and so that definitely helps when you're trying to get these, these top coaches and these top recruits in. Definitely makes sense. So with spring football, you know, having begun at FAU, um, what storylines other than the ones that we've just talked about here, are you paying particular attention to over the next few weeks and months? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think 
we, we've talked about the defense, and my big storyline going into the spring was, you know, will the defense continue that consistency? You know, last season they were one of the best defenses, not only in Conference USA, but in the group of five, uh, you know, overall. And, you know, they, they return a lot of the talent at key positions. You know, Zion Gilbert returns, Jalen Joyner returns, uh, you know, Amon Ross returns. We mentioned the uh, return of Achilles Leroy. That talent should help them keep the consistency. Another one that I'm looking at is on the offensive side of things. Uh, you know, just overall, can the offensive line take that next step? I think last year the offensive line struggled at points, and, you know, if they can take that next step, that's very important to building an offense that's consistent and building an offense that can can drive down the field and not, you know, have to rely on a strong defense to win games like they had to last season. You know, there, there were games where they'd only score 14 points and win the game. Uh, I think all of us will agree that, you know, it's not sustainable to only score 14 or 20 points a game and to win consistently in college, uh, you know, with, with the way that scoring has increased. And, you know, partly in the same sense, you know, who will take over that wide receiver position? You know, will they have a guy stand out and emerge as the, the number one target? You know, they had Harrison Bryant for a long time there be that number one guy, but he's now in the NFL and he's now making plays for Cleveland Browns. So they need someone to step up and become the number one guy at that wide receiver position, be that guy that they can rely on when they need a big play from a wide receiver. We'll certainly be paying attention to his development over the course of the next few months. And uh, hopefully when uh, fall comes around and the world's a different place, uh, we'll get to see him in person and the three of us can enjoy some uh, beverages with little umbrellas in them, hopefully inside of a coconut <laughs> in, uh, in Boca. So, uh, you know, Eric, I, I know I'm looking forward to that very much. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think hopefully by that point in time, Kevin will be uh, uh, able to indulge in one of those beverages as well. Hey, hey yes. Eric, in November I will be. So uh, just, just remember, I'm not 12. I, I, I know, I know. I, I just got to give my, my guy Kevin a hard time, man. He's doing a great job covering that program. Like like I said to him uh, off air on on Twitter, I am, I'm getting him in a suit for uh, Shula Bowl next year. Whether he likes it or not, I'm getting him in a suit. But that aside, uh, Kevin does a phenomenal job. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, if you want to check out Kevin's content, follow him on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder. Uh, also recommend reading his stuff on fifth quarter. Uh, also does some high school stuff for uh, new era prep. And uh, like I mentioned, covers the Miami Hurricanes at the state of the U, another SB Nation community as well. Um, if you want to follow Eric and myself on Twitter, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. Uh, also recommend following at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. That's the site's main account where we are uh, posting more of our stories from the offseason and uh, providing more commentary on all the <laughs> news and notes uh, as we'll get into on the next episode uh, from, you know, spring football and all of its craziness uh but thank you so much for listening once again if you haven't already subscribe on apple podcasts and we will talk to you very soon with uh, hopefully another guest uh happy football watching everybody stay safe out there